Hello again. Welcome back to the Luxi podcast, a podcast to reignite your wonder by exploring the intersection of science and luxury. I'm Dr. Lex, PhD, infectious disease expert, podcast host. I've said before, a lover of anything sparkly. I had originally planned another topic for this second in my trilogy of holiday episodes, but since it's the end of 2021, and I'm hoping that 2022 will be a little better, I thought we should do something big, something shiny, something that has epitomized luxury for millennia. I'm talking about gold. Yellow gold itself cycles in and out of fashion, but some version of gold is always part of how we adorn ourselves. Now, if you're of the Christian persuasion or have spent enough time with the Christian nativity story, you know that gold was one of the gifts that the Magi or wise men brought to Jesus. And even back then, it was associated with luxury and royalty. So come along and join me for a very royal and scientific look at gold. Now, gold is an element with the symbol AU from the Latin aurum, an atomic number of 79. Elements are pure substances made up only of atoms with the same number of protons in their nuclei and can't be broken down further by any chemical reactions. The atomic number of an element is the number of protons found in the nucleus of all the atoms of that element. So every atom of gold has 79 protons in its nucleus. And this number determines an element's place on the periodic table of elements. I don't know about you, but I had to memorize the periodic table of elements at some point in my education. And I remember thinking that it was extremely important at the time, and I've now forgotten most of what I've learned about it. Anyway, in its natural state, gold is a reddish-yellow, dense, soft, malleable, and ductile. Malleable meaning it can be hammered or rolled or changed shape without changing its elemental composition, and ductile meaning that it can be drawn into wires very relatively easily. Gold is extremely inert, i.e. non-reactive. It's a combination of these properties of gold and gold's relative rarity that make it so in demand. So where does gold come from? Now this is a ridiculously fascinating fact to me. Gold is thought to be generated in supernovas when they explode, and from the collision of neutron stars, and to be present in the dust from which the solar system was formed. To me, that is the ultimate origin story. Scientists believe that most of the gold present in the early Earth would have sunk into the planetary core because Earth was molten at the time, and so where does today's gold come from? There were two main theories, though one has been a bit debunked. The first was that it was brought by asteroids during a phase of Earth's history called the Late Heavy Bombardment. Didn't sound like a fun time in Earth's history. So this is supported by the fact that most of the gold that humans can mine is thought to have come from an asteroid that formed the Verdefort crater 2.020 billion years ago. That's billion with a B. This crater is thought to have deposited gold in South Africa, accounting for the richest gold deposits on Earth. However, recent analysis of the rocks bearing the gold in this region show that it was laid down 700 to 950 million years before the Verdefort impact. And so if it was asteroid in origin, it wasn't that asteroid. Further analysis of the rocks showed that they were covered in a thick layer of lava before the meteor struck, so the gold was already there and not alien in origin. So much for that origin story. The asteroid did make the gold-bearing rocks accessible, though. Fun fact, it's estimated that 22% of the gold existing on Earth today has been extracted from these rocks in South Africa. So that brings us to theory number two, that gold came to the surface from the deepest regions of the planet, the mantle, which seems the most likely 
source for most of the gold on Earth. Note, gold is a finite resource, not renewable. Fortunately, it's malleable, so it could be melted down and reworked numerous times. So, a very short history. Gold is probably the earliest recorded metal used by humans. Gold artifacts first appear in pre-dynastic Egypt, and smelting gold goes as far back as the 4th millennium. The oldest known map of a gold mine was drawn in the 9th dynasty of ancient Egypt, from 1320 to 1200 BC. There is a long and often very sordid history of gold and gold mining that I won't cover here, but I do suggest you look it up. It's very educational and enlightening. But one last fun fact before we move to the science. Oceans contain gold. With an average about of about 10 to 30 parts per quadrillion, the Earth's oceans are estimated to hold 15,000 tons of gold. However, redeeming gold from the ocean has been elusive thus far. But just think, the next time you go for a dip in the sea, you're taking the ultimate luxury bath. So gold isn't just for making things look pretty. There are potential medical applications for this element, primarily in the field of cancer diagnostics and treatment. And as usual, I found a great review article about this topic by Singh et al., published in the International Journal of Molecular Science in 2018. Recent advances in nanotechnology, which is the manipulation of matter on near-atomic scale to produce new structures, materials, and devices, has allowed for many base elements like gold to be used to make nanoparticles, which are small particles that range between 1 to 100 nanometers in size. Gold nanoparticles possess unique characteristics that make them great for cancer diagnostics and treatment. They are highly biocompatible, which means they won't elicit too much of a reaction when injected into the body. They're fluorescent. They're highly tunable, which means you can easily change the size and shape of the particles. And they have good surface functionalization, which means you can bind many different types of things to the surface of the particle. There's several different ways that gold nanoparticles can be synthesized including using chemicals and solvents, which may not be the best for humans or the environment and also involves extreme conditions such as high temperature and high pH. You can also use extracts from the leaves of medicinal plants in solution to produce these nanoparticles. And also, microorganisms can absorb gold and then accumulate gold nanoparticles. So what are these very luxurious nanoparticles used for? One answer is the delivery of chemotherapeutic drugs. Traditional delivery methods, IV, oral, deliver the chemotherapy to the whole body, not targeted to the cancer cells. This leads to only a fraction of the drug getting to the tumor site, and it also means side effects for healthy tissues. You can load drugs into or attach them to the nanoparticles, and those can be targeted for the tumor cell by coating the nanoparticle with a tumor-specific antibody, for example. One drug, methotrexate, used for leukemia's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, showed high cytotoxicity, cell killing, of numerous tumor cell lines and also accumulated faster in the tumor cells when loaded onto the gold nanoparticles. This research is still ongoing but shows promise in terms of better targeting of cancer cells. The writing of the review article in 2018, there weren't many gold nanoparticles approved by the FDA. One of the issues is around cytotoxicity. While gold itself is relatively biocompatible, its ability to induce cell death is dependent on the size and shape of the nanoparticle. So we'll have to stay tuned on this topic. We've been hearing a lot about vaccines in the news these days. Who's got their booster shot? 
raise your hand. And most vaccines also include an adjuvant. So we're going to pause here for a mini immunology lesson. Sorry, I can't help myself. There are three words that start with the letter A that are important when talking about immunology. Antibodies are blood proteins produced in response to and counteracting a specific antigen. Antigens are toxins or other foreign substances which induce an immune response in the body. And adjuvants are substances which enhance the body's immune response to an antigen. So an antigen enters the body and it induces specific cells in your body to make antibodies to try to neutralize the antigen. And this can be enhanced by the use of an adjuvant. Got it? Okay, good. Back to the gold. Lev Dykman wrote a review for the Expert Reviews of Vaccines journal in 2020 looking at the literature published on using gold nanoparticles as adjuvants to optimize the performance of vaccines. Dr. Dykman found that gold nanoparticles have been used in research settings to prepare antibodies and vaccines against more than 45 pathogens. Fun fact from this article, the nanoparticles in these experiments were shaped into nanospheres, nanocages, nanostars, nanocubes, nanoshells, nanoprisms, and nanoclusters. Remember, gold is malleable. Animal studies with the gold nanoparticle adjuvants found increased responses to the vaccines as opposed to more conventional adjuvants. There are several potential mechanisms for this amplification of the immune response, including the ability of nanoparticles to more effectively deliver antigens to your lymph node where the majority of your white blood cells reside. In the lymph node, they activate antibody-producing cells and generate a more steady and gradual release of the antibodies. Nanoparticles also concentrate the antigen on what are called antigen-presenting cells. These are cells that circulate in your body looking for foreign substances to eat up and then to present parts of those foreign substances on their cell walls for antibody-producing cells to see. This activation enhances the proliferation and activation of cells that help antibody-producing cells, T-cells, and the antibody-producing cells themselves, B-cells. While not gold nanoparticles, both Moderna and Pfizer mRNA COVID-19 vaccines use lipid nanoparticles. Pretty neat, huh? So now for some historical fun. In a paper published in 1988 in the Journal of the Royal Society of Medicine, Dr. R.M. Hilson talked about the three gifts of the Magi, including gold. While we're just beginning to see the impact of gold nanoparticles on human health, the search for potable or drinkable gold has been sought for centuries. It was thought that potable gold would cure all known diseases and confer immortal youth. Alchemy, which is a form of speculative thought that tries to transform base metals into gold, was started by Jabir Abin Hayyan in the 6th century, but he and his followers were not successful. Scientists didn't give up, though. In the 17th century, when the discipline of chemistry was becoming more defined, gold medicines were still very much en vogue. One method was to amalgamate the gold with mercury and make it into a powder. Definitely not a safe thing to consume. But back then, they were not aware of the detrimental side effects of mercury. Another concoction was called saffron of gold. It was made by pouring hydrochloric acid, water, and oil of tartar onto thin gold plates and drying it by a fire but gently because apparently it was prone to exploding. It was said to cause sweat and drive out noxious humors and was given for smallpox and measles and to stop vomiting. 
there was a tincture of antimony and gold that was used to beautify some medicines to the eye and prevent nauseousness. Again, really a very toxic tincture, so probably wouldn't want to put that in a medicine these days. In 1839, gold was still used to promote secretions of the skin, salivary glands, and kidneys, and some forms of gold medicines were used to treat the secondary symptoms of syphilis, tumors, chronic skin diseases, and was applied to ulcerations of the uterine cervix and the face. Ouch. By the end of the 19th century, gold compounds were no longer used in the UK, but were still used in Europe for tertiary syphilis, spinal sclerosis, uterine affections, and gold bromide was used to treat hysteria and epilepsy. More recently, in the 20th century, gold was used against TB. In 1923, a sulfate of gold and sodium was used against TB, and weak solutions of gold were shown to inhibit the growth of the tubercular bacilli in culture. In 1930, gold salts were introduced as a treatment for rheumatoid arthritis. So today, scientists join a very long history of trying to treat and prevent diseases using gold, which, as we've seen, has many unique and amazing properties above and beyond its ability to be shiny and pretty. So our glossary for today has quite a few words in it. Elements are pure substances made up only of atoms with the same number of protons in their nuclei. Atomic number is the number of protons found in the nucleus of the atoms of an element. Nanotechnology is the manipulation of matter on a near-atomic scale to produce new structures, materials, and devices. Nanoparticles are small particles that range between 1 to 100 nanometers in size. Antibodies are blood proteins produced in response to and counteracting a specific antigen. Antigens are toxin or other foreign substance which induces an immune response in the body. Adjuvants are a substance which enhances the body's immune response to an antigen, and alchemy is a form of speculative thought that aims to try to transform base metals into gold. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Luxi. A very special thank you to my audio engineer, Demos. Our theme music is Harlequin Mood by Birdie. If you have a correction, comment, or suggestion for a topic, you can reach me at drlux at luxi.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at luxipod, and our website is luxi.podcastpage.io. If you like us, please subscribe. Please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll see you again in two weeks, and until then, have a very happy holiday.